Well, welcome everybody. Welcome to Ascend Global Church this morning. And uh, welcome especially to all the members of the church and people who are attached and connected to our church family. And especially welcome to those who are watching online in different countries, different nations. This is quite an unprecedented uh, season and time we're in. And uh, so here I am doing some recording today from home with my beautiful wife as the uh, media team for me this morning. And uh, it's just a great joy to be with you. And uh, I want to share some things with you that uh, just to encourage and strengthen you in your faith and then you walk right at this time. You know, in an unprecedented time when things are in turmoil and, you know, we've had a global shutdown and our nation's been shut down, you know, a lot of things get shaken. And uh, that, that shaking unsettles us in the places we feel uh, we've built our security. Uh, we have uncertainties about the future. And, uh, but these are also times of opportunities. And uh, we, we realize that uh, in the midst of any kind of shaking, God also presents to us unique opportunities, which I want to really talk a bit about that today. So why don't we just uh, open our hearts in prayer. Let's just welcome the Spirit of God, wherever you're watching in your home, wherever you're watching online. Why don't you just reach out right now so we don't just hear a message, but God speaks to our heart as well. Amen? Let's just close our eyes. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we honor you. We just worship you. You're our God and our King. We come before you. We lift high your name. We join with angels around your throne in worshiping you, in honoring you, in blessing you. We just so love you, Lord. We thank you that you are the strength, the tower of strength. You are the refuge in the storm. You are the place we can go to. You are always there for us. So today as we come, we open our hearts and worship. We open our hearts in adoration. We open our hearts to just say, thank you, Father. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your mercy. You are truly our God, the Almighty One, the God of Israel and our God. You're a God who is merciful, God who is gracious, God who is long-suffering, God who abounds in goodness and truth, a God who keeps mercy for thousands, a God who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, and you're our God. So we honor you, we welcome you, we say, Holy Spirit, come. I ask, Lord, that you would come on every person that's watching online. I ask, Lord, that you would touch them with your presence. I ask that the peace of God would come into each home and each life. And that, Lord, we would draw strength from your word today. We give you the honor. Amen. Well, God bless. I want to sh share some things today that are going to be an encouragement and a help for you. And uh, I want you just, uh, we're going to look in the, in the Word of God. I want to share a message called Strengthen Yourself in the Lord. Strengthen Yourself in the Lord. One of the most uh, important uh, abilities we need to have, particularly in, in a difficult and a challenging time, in a time when there's things are a bit uncertain, is to be able to strengthen ourselves, to be able to draw on a hidden source of strength, to draw on the Lord himself. And uh, Jesus came to impart life to us. He came to introduce us to a realm of life. His message was the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Or in other words, the supernatural realm of God's provision is at hand and available, but it requires a change in thinking. It requires a changing in the way we look at life and what we value to be able to access that. Jesus said, I am the way uh, to that life. I'm the way to access that life of the kingdom. He also taught that storms come. And uh, in his famous teaching on the, on the Sermon on the Mount, teaching of the hard attitudes necessary to receive from God, he begins to talk then about the storms coming on the wise man and the foolish man. So there's no 
uh, assurance that we won't have storms come in life because we're a believer. Uh, there's no assurance that we won't face pressures or difficulties in life. But what does happen is that when a storm comes, it uncovers the foundations we've built our life on. And so right now in this time, uh, there may be in your life an uncovering of fear and uncovering of insecurities and uncovering uh, of various kinds of things in your life that you may not have been aware of. That's what storms do. So for the wise man who built his life around the foundation of the word of God, when the storm came, he just remained confident and bold and standing in it. But the foolish man who heard the word of God or listened to what God had to say, but never really built his life around God's principles, that man, when the storm came, his life was overwhelmed and he lost what he had built. So you've got to decide whether you'll be the wise person, will you be the foolish person, whether you'll follow the wisdom Jesus gives to us of how to build our life to withstand the storms that come, or whether you neglect the wisdom of heaven and follow the crowd. So uh, I want to talk on several things today. Firstly, I want to just talk about fear because I notice as I look at some of the media and some of the things that the, the media are saying and, and look at the uh, way people are responding that uh, many people, tremendous fear and anxiety is on their life. And uh, fear and anxiety, are, are, they're very, very powerful things, you know. Uh, they, fear is an enemy for us. Fear is a thief. Fear is a robber. I want to share with you just a, a passage. If you have a look at Matthew chapter 14 and verse 25 through to verse 31. And uh, you'll see in here, uh, Jesus, showed, the Bible reveals very clearly how, how fear will steal from us without us even being aware of it. Here's the story, and it's a story that tells us Jesus spent the whole evening in prayer while the disciples were in a boat, and the boat entered a storm. And it says, now in the fourth watch, that's between 3 and 6 a.m. Uh, of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. So Jesus has spent time He's in the presence of God. He spent a whole night in prayer. He has accessed the eternal realm of the kingdom of God and the, the power of God, the power uh, given to him now as the son of God and accessing that realm with his father through prayer. Now he is walking uh, in the supernatural power of God, walking on the water. Now, you all know that's impossible. That's just something that cannot be done naturally. So he is demonstrating that the son of God or the son of man, that as a man, he's accessed the realm of the supernatural and the power of God is giving him dominion even over natural circumstances such as the sea and the wind. Hard for us in the 21st century to comprehend that. The Bible's very clear what happened. And see, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying it's a ghost. And they cried out with fear. I guess you would too. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer or be courageous or have courage. Don't be afraid. And the Bible constantly tells us not to be afraid. And Peter answered them and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come on the water. And Jesus answered and said, come. So he receives a word from God, a rhema, a spoken word from God. And when Peter had come out of the boat, he stepped out of the boat. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now, notice what's happened here. Jesus, because of the realm of prayer he has entered, has accessed a supernatural realm that gave him dominion over the water of the seas at that moment. When Peter responded in faith to Jesus, he received also an impartation of that same dimension of faith and power. He began to walk on the water. And most people focus on him sinking, but they don't actually focus on the fact that when faith arose in his heart, 
when he responded to what Jesus was saying to him personally, then power was released from heaven to do what no other man apart from Jesus had ever done. But then it says, but when he saw the wind was boisterous, when he, when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid or became afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out to the Lord, Lord, save me. And the Lord said, immediately stretched out and caught him and said, oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Now, there's something interesting here. You see Jesus demonstrates his sonship, his authority over all of creation. And Peter tapped into that when he had faith in his heart. But notice what it said. It said he saw, when he saw the seizure, when he saw the wind was boisterous, when he looked at the circumstances, when he refocused uh, his attention off Jesus and what Jesus had to say and put his attention on the storm that was around him. That word there, uh, saw, means to look at, to turn the eyes towards, or to turn your attention and focus on. So whatever you focus on, you'll open your life to. When you focus on negatives, you open your life to fear. And it says, beginning to seek. So in other words, he didn't just suddenly drop into the water. It says he began to sink. In other words, as, 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 uh, his, as fear came into his heart, through his refocusing his attention, now his faith began to diminish and shrink. And as it began to diminish, the capacity to remain in the supernatural diminished. And then he began to cry out with fear. And immediately Jesus not only rescues him but and restores his faith, but actually points out what the issue is. Why did you begin to doubt? Or why did you waver between two opinions? And the answer is very clear. He turned his attention off the words that Jesus had spoken, put his attention on the wind and the storm. Of course, right now in this world, there's like a, a storm going on. There's a wind of adversity sweeping the earth. And we can't ignore that there's a wind, but that should not become our focus. We don't ignore it or deny it, but neither does it become our focus. We need to focus on what will build faith and access the supernatural realm of God's protection and God's power to overcome and prevail in the situation. So fear is a robber. Fear, when you let fear or you entertain fear or you let your mind and heart dwell on fear, fear will steal from you. It will steal your faith. We saw this. Peter's faith was stolen away from him. He tapped into the power of God, then it's stolen from him as his faith is eroded. Uh, it takes your focus. It takes your faith. It takes away your strength. So when fear comes around your life, it'll steal strength, the capacity to arise and respond creatively in adversity. Uh, when fear comes in, it'll steal your hopes and your, your dreams of the future. You, you begin to look at the negatives and you don't realize it's, well, these are like the clouds. The sun's still shining. There's still a hope beyond that. So fear will steal your hopes of the future and cause you to refocus your life. And uh, fear, of course, will remove you from access to the power of God. Whereas in contrast, faith will release the power of God. Faith will release the power of God. Faith will give you access to God's protection, to God's provision, to uh, God's strength, uh, to God's resources. It gives you access to a realm beyond the natural realm, which has got its limitations. And uh, I'll read you a scripture here in uh, 2 Timothy 1, verse 6 and 7. And uh, Paul is writing to Timothy, a young disciple, and he says, I remind you, stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. Now, notice what he's saying here, that God, there's a problem that uh, young Timothy has. And here's what the problem is. 
the gifting that had been imparted into his life, a spiritual gifting to empower him, equip him, to resource him for his ministry, to resource him for the purpose of God, that gift is now diminished. Notice what Paul says. He said, he said, stir up that gift. That word stir up means to kindle a fire which is now no longer blazing. It's now smoldering. It's, it's got life. It's still there, but it's not active and causing uh, life for people. And uh, so we see in there, uh, he, Jesus identifies what the cause of the quenching of the gift of God in him, the withholding of the life of God, the, the quenching of what uh, was available to serve others, he said it's a spirit of fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear is not just thoughts we have and emotions we feel. Fear is a spirit being that stirs and fills our mind with thoughts, that stirs our heart with feelings. And when we entertain those thoughts, uh, yield to those feelings, then that spirit of fear gains increasing access to our life. God did not give you a spirit of fear, but rather God has given to us, already given, already made available, a spirit of power that's dunamis, supernatural power, ability to stand and overcome whatever situation you have in life, given us a spirit of power, given us a spirit of love. In other words, a loving spirit that reassures us we're valuable, we're loved by God, we're not alone, God is with us and a sound mind. God has given us uh, the anointing of his spirit to give us clarity in our thinking. So we, we think from God's perspective, not allowing the thoughts and the fears of, uh, of the community to overwhelm our mind and heart. Uh, we need to remember that we are responsible to stir our faith. So if you just fill your mind and heart with the fears of things that are coming on the earth or things that are happening or all the reports of people being sick and the limitate, all of those things, if you feed on that, then you're going to quench the fire of faith inside you. You'll quench the access to the resources of God. So we're responsible to stir up and activate the gift that would stir up, kindle the fire that's in you. And we want to give some keys on how to do that. We need to remember and keep in mind who we are. We're, we're children of the living God, who we belong to. We belong to him and then that we are called to do something. So you're not going to die before your time. You, you, you have a call from God in your life. You have a purpose from God in your life. And while you stay walking with God, while you stay walking in his purpose, then nothing can take you out before your time. As believers, we don't need to be afraid. We, we know that when we move from this life, we move into an eternal life and to an eternal kingdom that's everlasting. So th there's no need for us to live in fear. Notice what Jesus did. It says in John chapter 13, it tells us, and Jesus is uh, facing uh, perhaps the most difficult time in his life. He's facing his impending death on the cross. And so he has every reason to feel fearful and afraid. And this is what it says. Jesus Knowing the Father had given all things to his hands, knowing he had come from God and he was going to God. So notice this, he knows his origin, he knows where he's come from, he knows who he is, he knows his destiny, and he knows that the Father has supplied for him everything he needs to fulfill his purpose. So notice Jesus was always focused on his relationship with his Father and fulfilling his purpose for being on the earth. That's the example we're to follow focused on intimacy with our Father in heaven, accessing his resources, his life, his instruction, and then fulfilling what he called us to do. 
The big issue is if we fail to fulfill what he called us to do and waste the opportunities we have. And it says, then he rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself and poured water in a basin, began to wash the disciples' feet with the towel that he was girded. Now notice this, because he was secure in his identity, secure in his origin, secure in his destiny, knowing that everything he needs for life is given to him out of access with his father, he then was able to serve the disciples. And this is an important key in here, that if fear will cause us to focus on ourselves and withdraw from the people around us and look after ourselves, love or awareness of the presence of God and the purpose of God moves us then to be a servant to people in a time perhaps when everyone else is afraid. So rather than looking, how can I protect myself? How can I get what I need? Rather, we should be thankful that God has everything we need. And what we need to do instead is put on the heart, this is my time to shine. This is my time to serve. I need to follow the example of Jesus in this season and not follow the example of everyone else scrabbling to make sure I get ahead. When I look at that stuff with all the toilet paper and people running trying to fill their, their shopping carts up with toilet paper, what on earth is that all about? It's just fear to run rampant. And, and people don't even stop to think, well, why do I need so much? I mean, it's so ridiculous. I think it's people look and they say, wait, the shelves are getting empty. Someone else is, I may miss out. I think it's probably just the fear of missing out. We get what that is. So I have two major things I felt the Lord put on my heart just to, to bring to your attention and to share with you. And here's number one. The first one is this uh, to encourage you. Number one, and I felt the Lord speak this to me, don't waste this gift of time. Don't waste this gift of time. For all of us, we complain, I haven't got enough time. Actually, what it really means is that our priorities are not high enough in that area to, to do that particular thing. So there's no reason now for you to be able to say, I don't have the time. You have the time. You have a compulsory break from the things that preoccupied you. There's no more meetings to go to. There's no more work to go to. There's no more school to go to. There's no more sports events and other events to go to. You now have an extended period of time available. And I felt the Lord say to me, it's a gift to you for a season to prepare you for your next season. So don't waste this gift of time. You can either look at it and look at the inconvenience of it, the difficulties of it, or you can say, actually, it's a gift to me, an opportunity presented by God to me. I need to use it well. In Psalm 90 verse 12, uh, and this is, uh, I think, the prayer of Moses, he said, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom or apply ourselves to have a heart of wisdom or apply a heart to wisdom. So not only saying teach us or, or Lord instruct us and guide us or help us see the importance of carefully measuring and counting the days of our life to, to weigh out. It also means uh, not just to number your days, but it means to appoint your days for a purpose. Or putting it another way, when he says, teach us to number our days, he's saying, help us to place value on every day and use it to the best opportunity because uh, your days are limited in number. And so don't just drift along wasting time. You can't recover that time easily. And uh, he says, rather, uh, teach us to number or place value on the time we have and to use it to apply our heart to grow in wisdom. Wisdom it means uh, 
wisdom means to have God's perspective on life, to see life from God's point of view. Wisdom is essential for leadership. Wisdom is essential for building. Uh, it says by wisdom is the house built. Uh, so it requires wisdom to build a family, wisdom to build a marriage, wisdom to build finances, wisdom to build a business. Wisdom is seeing God's perspective, God's principles, and applying them in such a way that we're able to build. And so he says, apply your heart to wisdom or that your heart may gain wisdom. The heart is the core of your life. So when you apply your heart, I want the wisdom of God. I want to come before God for wisdom, what to do, uh, how to apply my life at this time. God will give it to you. But the core thing is we need to want wisdom in our heart. When wisdom develops in your heart, then also favor will come with that. Riches come with that. Success comes with that. It says Jesus grew, grew. That meant he, he had a little amount and then he increased that amount. He grew in wisdom and stature, that's physically, and in favor both with God and with man. So this is your time to value the time you've been given and use it that you could grow in wisdom, that you'll make different decisions about your future, that you'll relook at your life and start to evaluate what you've been doing with your time and resources and start to look again at what you want to invest your life into to build a great marriage, a great family, to build your finances or build your personal spiritual life. So these are things to do. So here's a few uh, practical points. Don't waste your time binge watching Netflix. Okay to watch a little bit of stuff and to be entertained and, and I, I love the media, but I don't want to binge watch. I don't want to be addicted to something that will literally fill my mind with things that will not help me apply my heart to wisdom. Secondly, uh, develop some daily routines. When you suddenly, your daily routine is broken and you, you, you've uh, now just got endless days at home for at least a month, maybe six weeks, who knows? Uh, then set a daily routine. In other words, get up at a time, uh, set some daily routines out when things will happen. Set some patterns for your day so you don't just drift into your day. One of the things I have felt most helpful is to, before I go to sleep, I set out what I want to do the next day. So I go to bed thinking about arising to accomplish some things, arising to meet with the Lord, arising to do certain reading, arising to do certain things around the home. Uh, you go to, I go to bed with that in my mind so that I'm a, I arise ready to do it rather than, oh, I'm tired, I don't want to get up. So invest time in, in building your relationship with the Lord. So we'll talk a bit more about that in a moment. Uh, invest time into building family relationships. This is a great chance to connect differently and to engage differently. So don't just spend it all on media. Don't spend it all on your phone. Don't spend it all on Netflix or TV or some kind of thing like that. Start to engage and connect and do family building things that uh, will actually have a lasting value. Uh, here's the second thing I felt the Lord uh, speak into my heart very strongly too. This is time. First of all, uh, the first thing was don't waste the gift of time. And second is use the time to strengthen yourself in the Lord. Use the time to strengthen yourself in the Lord. Now, I want to talk what that means. In 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 6, it tells us David was greatly distressed because the people wanted to stone him. They spoke of stoning him because the soul of the people was grieved, every man for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Now, David was in distress. All the people around him were in distress. 
This was the most distressing season in his life. It was a season where he faced immense rejection. He'd been rejected by King Saul, even though he'd helped him in a major difficulty overcoming Goliath. He had, uh, he had been rejected by Israel. He'd been rejected by his own brothers. He'd even been rejected by the Philistines who he went uh, to live among. And then it seems like now, even those around him who were his friends have rejected him. And uh, what has happened is the city has been taken over. The city he lived in had been conquered. Uh, it had been devastated uh, by an enemy invader. And he had lost uh, his, his wife. He'd lost his children. He lost his resources. Everyone else had. It says they lift up their, 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 uh, their voices and wept bitterly before the Lord. So they faced a, a massive setback. And uh, when you face a setback, when you face a distressing situation, a frightening situation where the future looks uh, uncertain and full of doubt, you, you need to know what to do. And, and, and this situation will expose where you really live in your heart. It says of the men who were with him, it says they began to talk together how they could kill David, how they could stone him. In other words, their response to their difficulty was to blame someone else for the problem they were in and then want to take out their anger and their grief upon him. They hadn't yet grown to become mighty men. They hadn't actually caught David's heart and spirit. Bible tells us David was a man after the heart of God. They, God had searched everywhere looking for someone who had a desire for the heart of God. And so David was a passionate worshiper. David knew what to do. It says, but, but, that means everyone else did this, but David did something different. That's why he was great. So when everyone else is complaining and blaming and, and afraid and negative, but what will you do? That's really, it's a, it's a great challenge for us, isn't it? And so we see there, it said, he strengthened himself in the Lord his God. He strengthened himself in the Lord his God. So you need to feed your faith and starve your fears, essentially. Uh, that word strengthen means to fasten or take hold on something. It means literally to restore strength. It means to make firm and resolute. So in the midst of a crisis, when it seems like everything is taken away from him, he can't lean on anyone or anything else. And that's really where many people find themselves today. We can't lean on church meetings to strengthen our faith. We can't lean on someone else to prop us up. We can't lean on our group to lift us up. We can't lean on something else. So what will you lean on? Will you lean into the Lord or will you draw away to find some way to dull the pain and distract yourself? See, if you lean into the Lord, you're now going to make use of your time. So we need to learn. He knew how to strengthen his heart in the Lord because he'd faced many situations and over the course of his life, he had done the things that built strength and the capacity in, the, in pressure and turmoil to arise when others were overwhelmed. So right now in the midst of what's happening and what's coming into the earth and what, what we're going to experience, because not only do we face the virus, there will be also the economic upheaval that, that follows that or comes with that. And so there's going to be many distressing things that people face. We all, no one spared these things. We just have to journey through them. And in the midst of it, the key is having your life centered on the resource that's beyond the limitations naturally, learning how to strengthen ourselves in God so we remain resolute and firm and not moved by what's happening around. You know, when, when troubles come, uh, many people just get fearful and they get anxious. 
And when you're near them, it, their, their fear and their anxiety literally fills the room. It, it doesn't bring a rest to you. It brings an unease to you that you have to overcome. And uh, that's because that's what's around their life. A spirit of fear, a spirit of anxiety is around their life. And you feel the manifestations of it in the way they speak and act. But we are to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. So whatever is happening, that uh, our trust is fixed in the Lord. In one place in, uh, in, in the Psalms, it said, uh, his heart is trust fixed upon the Lord. He shall not be moved by evil tidings. So we're not to be moved by evil tidings. No matter what the news says, no matter how bad it is or how bad it looks, we're not to be moved by that, but to have a heart that is resolute and fixed, trusting in the Lord. Now, that doesn't just happen. You have to cultivate that and develop that. And you've got some time on your hands to do that. You can't say, oh, I haven't got the time to do that. You've got the time. So now you've got the time. It's an issue of, is this your priority or not? And so for us, we I, I'm just thinking this is a wonderful opportunity for me. Joy and I are loving it. We're having additional time to fast, different time to seek the Lord, time to read, time to study, time to do things. I'm just loving this time. It's, it's a wonderful time of becoming stronger in the Lord and uh, being strengthened in the Lord and the power of his might. So David, uh, here's, the, here's the key. David knew God personally as a source of strength. And you find that mentioned through the Psalms. There's a number of Psalms where David actually declares it because David went through some horrendous times. But the horrendous times were the developing of the man of God. In other words, to fulfill the course and the plan God had, he had to go through a process. Everyone has to go through a process of growing and developing and becoming established in your heart. And so this is what David had to say in Psalm 27, verse 1, Psalm of David, The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Well, he had lots of reason to be afraid. He had everyone out to kill him. He had a, a wanted poster out all through the land, kill on sight and kill his friends as well. And yet he says, The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? What are you going to be afraid of if God is the strength of your life? In Psalm 18, verse 1, to the chief musician, the Psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spoke to the Lord. This is the words of the song on the day the Lord delivered him out of the hands of his enemies. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. <laughs> when God delivered him, he said, oh, I love you, O Lord, my strength. In other words, he's saying, God, you are my strength. You are the, the source of my ability to arise in adversity and to overcome it. And then in verse 2, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I trust, my shield and the hall of my salvation, my stronghold. So notice he's using all these kind of words to try and put out to you a picture that God is a refuge, a strength in the time of trouble. He says, the Lord is my rock. In other words, he's referring to the rock we lean on, something that gives stability. The Lord is my fortress. In other words, I can hide in him and behind these great walls that protect me. The Lord is my deliverer. God comes and rescues me out of the situations I'm in. He's my strength in whom I trust and my shield and the horn of my salvation. And in verse, uh, Psalm 29, verse 11, uh, he says, The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. 
So, so David's saying, not only is God the strength of my life, this, you see the battles I fight, the challenges I face, the difficulties I overcome. I want you to understand it's not by my natural giftings or abilities. It's an internal strength that comes from a relationship being united with God. The Lord is the strength of my life. And not only that, he says, the Lord will give strength to his people. So he's now saying, it's not just my experience. I'm testifying of this. The Lord is the strength of my life and my rock, my deliverer, he's saying, but the Lord will strengthen his people. So God wants to put strength into your life. And in the uh, New Testament, Paul prays the same thing. In Ephesians 3 and verse 60, he says, I pray you will be, God will strengthen you with might in your inner man by the Holy Spirit. So it's always the plan of God that you be strengthened with dunamis, a supernatural internal strength. It's not you don't go through things. It's not you don't feel things. It's not that you don't have doubts and, and struggles. It's just that there's a strength available to overcome them, to show that the God we serve is a real God who gives victories in these difficult times. So uh, that raises then, well, how David strengthened himself in the Lord. How do you strengthen yourself in the Lord? What, what do you need to do? So let me give you several keys to strengthening yourself in the Lord. These are things that you practice, and as you practice them and they become a part of your life, then you build into your life over a course of time, strength develops. You know, when you go to the gym, you don't expect the first day you come out of the gym that you're going to have strength. But if you give yourself to the discipline, the process of training and exercising over time, a hidden strength begins to develop. So we don't always see it or feel it immediately, but when you create the habit in your life of certain things, then you see the consequences. So now you are in, have an opportunity to sow, to use your time to sow and build strength for your coming season. Or you can waste the time and you won't be any different after this. Maybe you'll actually be in a worse place because you've lost discipline patterns already in your life. So anyway, here's some of the keys. Number one, the Word of God. Number one, the Word of God. The Word of God. Jesus said in John 4 verse 34, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me. In other words, he's saying that word meat it means a strong food or a food that nourishes and builds strength and capacity and muscle. He said, I have a food you don't know anything about. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Now, how did he know the will of him who sent me, uh, who sent him? Very clearly, he accessed the word of God. He memorized the word of God. He meditated in the word of God. He prayed aloud the word of God and he acted on the word of God. In other words, the word of God was central to his life. As a young man, he would have been trained and learned the word of God, memorized the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. He would have memorized other sections of the Bible. We know that because he was able to quote the word of God. And when pressure came on him in the temptation in the wilderness, he was able to quote the word of God. So the word of God is very, very powerful to strengthen us. Let me give you one more verse. In 1 John 2 verse 14, he said, uh, I've written to you fathers because you've known him who's from the beginning. I've written to you young men because, notice this, you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you've overcome the wicked one. What he's saying is that he's talking about stages of spiritual growth from babies 
uh, who need to know they're loved and forgiven, but have no strength to stand. They're easily pushed around and fall over. To young men, to fathers. And he's saying here, young men, that's a stage of spiritual growth. He says, it's characterized by your strong. And your strong, the word of God dwells in you. That means you've memorized it. You live out of what God is saying. And you've learned to overcome demonic opposition, fear, anxiety, lust, pressures of life. You've learned to overcome them. That's how you've developed strength. You've got the word of God in you. So I encourage you there. Here's some practical things. In this time, why don't you read through the Psalms? Go through the Psalms. Look for Psalms uh, that resonate with your heart, that seem to say what is in your heart. And uh, memorize one of the scriptures. Memorize a scripture and then meditate on that scripture. So I found if you memorize the scripture, just take a verse and memorize it, then what you can do then is you can then begin to meditate on it, dwell on it as you're praying, and then it's easy to pray that. You personalize and pray that word out. You know, so David, for example, in Psalm 27, 4, he says, you know, he says, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after. I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple. And uh, that's Psalm 27. It's a powerful psalm. Great scriptures. The Lord is my light and salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid? <laughs> I, I, I tell you, it's wonderful things. You, you memorize the word of God, hold the word of God in your heart, meditate on it, begin to see it as reality in your life, begin to speak it out as you, as you pray it out over your life. There's a strength comes into your life through taking the word of God in this way. Not just reading the scripture, but you memorize something that's quickened to you, you meditate or ponder it and think about it as you pray, picturing it and seeing it as being a reality in your life, and then you speak it and personalize it in prayer. Very, very powerful to do that. Here's the second thing that's uh, helpful to strengthen your inner man. Remember, this is a habit you develop. These are habits you develop that build strength and capacity inside you. Here's another one, and that is thanksgiving and praise, gratitude and praise. And... Uh, there's a whole number of reasons. There's a lot we could say about that. But, but developing a grateful heart, you know, the Bible tells us, uh, it tells us that we magnify God through gratitude or thanksgiving. So in the Psalms it says, let us magnify the Lord with thanksgiving. So what, when you are thankful or grateful, there's a focus on making larger in your attention, in your focus, the positive things or the things that you have received for which you are grateful. So complaining causes you to focus your heart and your attention on what you lack or what went wrong, and it produces a negative mindset. It produces a heaviness around your heart. And that's what a lot of people do. They complain and they blame. But if we're to walk in God, if we're to walk in the presence of God, you have to learn how to develop gratitude, thankfulness. And so whatever you, whatever is happening, there's something to be thankful for and there's something to praise the Lord for. It's just a matter, instead of being tuned to the negative, look for the good within whatever is there. And there's always something you can say thankfully. Here, let me give you a few scriptures on this. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 17 and 18 says, Rejoice always. In other words, rejoice all the time. Why do we rejoice all the time? Because when you rejoice, when you are thankful, when you are grateful, when you are there's praise in your mouth, you create an atmosphere. You build an atmosphere. Words build an atmosphere. You ever been around people that complain? There's a heaviness around there. There's no joy. It's just negative. 
But when you come around people and they're thankful and they're grateful and they compliment and they praise, there's, there's an environment they carry with them. And that's the environment of heaven. The environment of heaven is an environment of praise, of honor, of gratitude, of thanksgiving. You look in the Bible, you see glimpses into heaven. There was always praise and gratitude and thankfulness. And, and it creates an atmosphere. The Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. So when you start to vocalize gratitude, vocalize honor, vocalize praise, then you create an environment that attracts the presence of God to manifest around your life. You literally carry something of the presence of God. Something of heaven has come into the earth. You become a gateway for the life in eternity to be a reality in the world around you. There's uh, another one in, uh, in everything, give thanks, pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So just be thankful, start to be thankful. When you sit down, take a moment to think, what can I be thankful for? Fix your heart on gratitude to the Lord. Lord, I just thank you right now. And, uh, you know, just recently we had an event and and uh, we gathered family together. And uh, I said, well, get around the table and why don't everyone say something you're thankful for or grateful to God that he did for you this last year. Well, as we did it, the presence of God came to the family table. Being grateful. So don't just turn uh, grace or Thanksgiving in a table or a meeting, in a meal. Don't just turn it into something like a ritual. We say a little prayer. Uh, rather, come on, let's just be thankful to the Lord. What can we be thankful for? And let's just be specific and vocal and let our heart enter it. Lord, thank you. I am thank you. I thank you, Lord. Thank you for the blessing of being here, having a house. Thank you for my wonderful wife. Thank you for all the wonderful friends you give. There's so much to be thankful for. And in Philippians 4, it tells us to constantly rejoice. Philippians 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. So notice here he's saying, there's a lot of reason around to be anxious and to be distressed. But he says, don't. Don't be anxious about anything. In other words, don't let anxiety and fear into your heart and cause your internal life to become divided. That's what anxiety does. It divides you internally. It says, rather, it says, constantly be thankful to the Lord. Let your needs be known to him and just thank him and have a heart of gratitude. And see, what will happen is the outflow of that will be a peace that comes around your heart. So here's a few practical things. Why don't you build an atmosphere of gratitude and praise? How could you do that? Put some music on in the home, start to create an atmosphere around the home of gratitude, uh, even at the meal tables. Uh, just look at things you can be thankful for. Celebrate the good things you've received from the Lord. Uh, uh, there's another thing. Be intentional. Just be intentional in rejoicing. Uh, the joy of the Lord is our strength. In other words, there's a strength come out of being joyful in the Lord. And then as you have time in the presence of the Lord worshiping, then why don't you just draw on him and say, Lord, thank you. I wait upon you and I renew or exchange all my weakness for the strength that you give me. The, the, the Bible is very clear. David said, Psalm 27, 14, wait on the Lord and be of good courage. He will strengthen your heart. So these are, these are great practices. The practice of the word of God, 
reading, meditating, praying it out personally, speaking it, uh, taking hold of prophetic words he's spoken over us and declaring them or using them as a warfare, uh, being grateful and thankful and, and, and rejoicing and celebrating and, and make, creating opportunities to celebrate spontaneously. What a great way to build a great atmosphere. Here's the third way is praying in the spirit. Praying in the spirit builds and strengthens our inner man and 1 Corinthians 14 verse 4 it says he that prays in the spirit or prays in unknown tongue builds up himself so how 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 great is that how great is that and then finally the last one is to fellowship with people of faith in other words connect with people intentionally those that that will build your faith and to those whose faith you can build there's a great scripture 1 Samuel 23:16 Jonathan Saul's son arose he went to David in the woods and he strengthened his hand in God. So this is David. David and Jonathan had a particular connect commitment, a connected covenantal relationship. When David was in distress, Jonathan uh, initiated connecting with him to remind him of the promises of God, remind him of the faithfulness of God. He strengthened his hand in God. He didn't just have encouraging words. He strengthened him in God by reminding him of the promises, the faithfulness of God. So. Don't complain and blame and focus on negatives. Why don't you listen to messages that inspire? Even if you can't get out, you can listen to something or watch something that will inspire you, build your faith, give you something to talk about together. Uh, phone and connect with people. Talk to someone. Get on the phone, ring them up and have a talk with them. Talk with life-giving people so you come off and you're blessed and encouraged. And maybe God will put on your heart to reach out to someone and you could encourage them to take that initiative. So uh, I, I just think, this is a great opportunity, a great season, and it's an opportunity for you to uh, build your inner man and make good use of this gift of time.